Hello everyone, it's Dr. Sam. I'd like to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. This is a show that offers cutting edge information on how to improve your vision and overall wellness through holistic methods. I so appreciate you spending part of your day with me. If you have questions, you can send them to hello at drsamburn.com. Now to the latest iClarity episode. Hey everybody, it's Dr. Sam and I want to welcome you to my iClarity podcast. Today is a recording of an interview that I gave recently to one of my colleagues. She's a wonderful holistic vision coach from California. Her name is Claudia Muhlenweg and I was on her podcast. So it's a great show. The beginning I talk about my story and then my philosophy And then we do a really cool Q&A at the end. So I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for tuning in. Leave me comments if you like the show. Hello, everybody. I think we are live on YouTube. I am Claudia Mühlenweg. I am a natural vision improvement teacher and the founder of the Naturally Clear Vision Method. And this is our weekly Clear Vision Wednesday show. And today I have a guest that I couldn't be more excited about. And I will share just a little bit of before I bring him on. Um, So Dr. Sam Byrne is a holistic optometrist. He's been in practice for over 30 years in New Mexico, has written um, a new book that we're going to talk about. And I had the the luxury of attending a workshop with you. Dr. Sam, actually, let me bring you on to stage so everybody can see you. Hi, welcome. Hi. (laughs) Um, We did a, and you worked with primitive reflexes and, you know, and you discovered, you gave me some kind of glasses that, because I noticed that my right, dominant side, I was more aware of that than the left. And so that was so, so fascinating, uh, your approach. So I know I jumped right into the deep end. (laughs) Um, So our topic today, you know, and this is kind of the title of your book, Vital Vision, Clear Eyed Solutions for Midlife and Beyond. Um, So tell us a little bit about like, why, why this book and like, why you felt like, yeah, what's the, why did you write this book? Well, first, thanks for having me and everybody, thanks for joining in. So that's a great question. Why did I write this book? I've written several other books and I'm pretty active on social media. I, I have a Facebook live show and for a couple years, people would ask me really good questions. So what we did is we took the transcripts of the shows and we uh, had a ghostwriter help me and we created a book based on what were the most popular questions. And so each chapter is my hot take on, first of all, what is the condition? And second of all, how can you help, you know, help this condition in a more integrative, holistic way? So that's how the book came about. And, um, you know, we're, we're in a pre-sale right now with the book, but it's, it's going really well, a lot of interest and uh, happy to share it and any other insights today. Yeah, and I put all the links, by the way, in the show notes where you can pre-order the book and all that. But I want to read a, I want to read a quote on, that kind of tags onto what you just said from the book. Um, and I didn't get to read the whole thing yet, but I did, read quite a bit of it. 
And I love this quote you said, with the dominant belief that prescriptions and surgery are the only options, people can often feel bullied into accepting a certain procedure or treatment method, even if they would prefer another option. If this is you, pause before accepting anything and first seek out a second opinion from a more holistic perspective. End of quote, right? And you are a trained optometrist. You've you know been doing this for 30 years, and I think you have now a telemedicine practice. But yeah, I love that you said that because I hear that from my clients a lot, and I know you probably do too, that I didn't understand what the eye doctor was saying, and I should I do this procedure or, you know, so tell us a little bit more of what you would tell people um, to do. Well, I really advocate for patients, and I know what it's like because I've been on the other side of that where an authority figure thinks he or she knows better, but it's your body. And there need to be uh, options and alternatives, especially if, you know, pharmaceuticals and surgery are the only two options. I mean, come on, you know, we know the eyes are so related to our, you know, systemic health, our metabolic health, our emotions. And I love your posts. You talk about a mind-body connection. Exactly. Or you've had uh, Mark Grossman on. He talked about Chinese medicine and acupuncture and how that so relates to our vision. So you don't always have to rush into the surgery. And look, that's the way the eye care field makes their money. But um, it's your body. And I'm here to advocate for patients. So tell, tell us, like, why, like, and I don't know your whole background, where you're doing traditional optometry or behavioral optometry, and then did, did you then switch? Or what was your big aha in terms of, hey, what I learned in optometry school might not be the whole story? Well, I remember my first year of optometry school, I was sitting in the back with a friend of mine, and the professor was saying, and by the way, if any of you hear about the Bates method, put it out of your head. It's total quackery. And my friend and I turned to each other and we started laughing and we said, we want to go into that. That's very interesting. <laughs> so I was always, uh, you know, a renegade. And uh, actually what, what ended up happening, I did an internship in California. You know, I was from the East Coast. And I did an externship at a, a behavioral optometrist's office, Dr. Bob Sanit in Lemon Grove, San Diego. And he was one of my first mentors. And... He was running 60 patients a week through his vision therapy practice, and he was so satisfied with what he was doing. And I think that was my aha moment. And then I went back to the East Coast after I graduated optometry school, and I enrolled at the Gazelle Institute. So I spent a year learning about child development and learning. And then I, had, I was very myopic. I was about minus 275 with, with astigmatism, and I met a holistic behavioral optometrist, Dr. Al Shankman, the Albert A. Shankman, and went to him for about a year in vision therapy and completely dissolved my prescription. So after those things, I mean, it was a no-brainer. I was just going to devote my career to helping people improve their vision instead of just, you know, the, the company line of making things worse every year. So that's... That is, that amazing and um so you actually with vision therapy and for those of you uh listeners that might not know the difference can you just really quickly explain to us so we have traditional optometry where you get your contacts and your glasses prescription measured you have usually visual acuity gets measured sometimes 
that perception, but what is the difference to a behavioral, or I think sometimes they call them developmental or neurotometrists. Yeah, right. Can you share this a little bit for everybody so that we all understand? So I think in behavioral or developmental optometry, we recognize that vision is more of a brain and body process. And depending on the, the level the behavioral optometrist is training, we look at things like visual skills and eye-brain processing. You know, if we go into child development, we look at things like the primitive reflexes, obviously nutrition and diet. But that's like even on the surface. Uh, you know, I, I dove into things like functional medicine. I'm a craniosacral therapist. I'm an aromatherapist. I'm a somatic therapist. Um, so I did a lot of really deep studies because I found that my patients, there was a real psycho-emotional, psycho-spiritual part of vision. You're nodding your head because we're very simpatico in what we believe. And so in behavioral optometry, a lot of times it's eye exercises or you're doing a vision therapy type approach that's more eyeball related. So you're not really getting into, you know, mind-body or that's why I love what you're doing because it's so integrative and that's what I feel is needed especially when you have people with pretty complicated vision problems and then if they've had surgery or they're on drugs you know it just becomes very complicated that's why you have to suss it out and there's no cookbook you know I often say that uh, I don't have a cookbook approach I look at each person individually and we go from there that is so interesting. Uh, there's several things that you said that I want to piggyback on. So I just did the recording for the Better Eyesight Magazine podcast with Nathan Oxenfeld and Fernanda Leiter from Brazil. And we talked about how Dr. Bates back then had this free clinic and they were helping people for free. And Emily Learman, who became his second wife, she, she was somebody, he, he cured her, uh, her vision. Um, you know, people trusted her and she was so empathetic and she was really about helping people and getting to know them and even though she had this free they had this free clinic and it was only like five minutes you know just like a regular doctor five minutes people like it was all about connecting with them on an emotional level and seeing what works for them and not the cookbook approach and um and then the doctor the story this in this month um episode was about there was a doctor was like why don't you just give them glasses and contacts and be done with it why are you wasting your time and don't even get paid helping these people. So I think that was one thing that just came to me as you were talking, mm -hmm. how we really see the whole person, right? We really see the whole person and, and look at all the things from the emotions to, you know, to the whole journey to when we really work with them versus just giving them like, here's this protocol of like doing this or that, which behavioral optometry, in my opinion, at least does something to improve your vision. But like you said, it's very mechanical, like the pencil push-ups and those kind of approaches. So, but you, I, you said, if I understood correctly, that you improved your myopia and astigmatism with vision therapy. So tell us more about that. Well, Dr. Shankman wrote a book called Vision Enhancement Training, and he was actually also a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher. And the things that we did with Dr. Shankman were very whole body oriented. We did not do, you know, traditional vision therapy. And every practice that he would give us, he invited us to use the practice as a mirror to understand and learn about our habits and conditioning. And so I would spend 30 minutes a day 
doing all of his practices and they were be very much involved with movement and we used an eye patch a lot and you know a lot of different things but in the end I realized for myself that I developed myopia because I had a learning problem and when I was eight years old I was diagnosed with a learning disability and we ended up at an eye doctor's office and I ended up getting minus lenses and so I became a memorizer and Dr. Shankman found that my left eye tended to wander out so I had difficulty with convergence and so once we repaired all of that I didn't have to carry that tension anymore and my reading and learning you know really came up to where it should be so I have a soft spot for for kids I work with special needs kids I know my books about middle age but I actually do a lot of work with uh, special needs, autism, uh, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome. So I can relate to those kids really well. And this type of vision work is really profound in getting them to turn their light bulb on and really engage and connect their eyes to their brain and their body. And um, it's, it, as you know, it's so satisfying and rewarding because you're not just doing something rote. Uh, you're, you're really helping a person change their life and contributing to them. And uh, when I started to get on social media in 2016, that just really opened up even more because that was a real hard thing for this kind of vision approach is that nobody knows about it. So people like you and uh, Nathan and you know a few others, they're adept on social media, so they're able to you know, get the word out and get more because people are struggling. They want an answer. They just don't know there's an answer out there. So that's where we come in and work together to uh, bring more awareness that there is a possibility for help. Well, and I'm so grateful for, you know, because you're a trained eye doctor and there aren't as many eye doctors, you know, you mentioned Dr. Mark Grossman and, mm -hmm. you know, Dr. Ray Cotney, but I mean, there yes. isn't that many out there that are, you know, going and we had Dr. Elisa Haranski back yes. on and so yes. there's a few people that are you know looking more be way beyond that the spectrum and yeah. i think you're right it's it still shocks me that you know bates would probably turn around in his grave that 100 years later it's still so unknown right it's still so unknown and people still say especially in the traditional eye care field that this doesn't work when sure. we know that we see that vision is 90% brain, 10% sure. eyeball, and they right. only, I always say, they only, I always say 100%, the problem is that 100% of their attention is on the 10% on right. this. <laughs> so true. Um, That's the eye so, exam. The eye exam is on that 10%. So what, what's going on there? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So when you work with, I know we are focused on our children, and I'm looking at questions also coming in. But uh, when you work with children, because I do get a lot of requests for children, and I haven't, I haven't been working with children anymore since I gave up my physical, uh, you know, in-person practice. So when you work with children, I know it's a little side detour, but how do you work with them? Do you do, I know you do in-person workshops, right? You do, um, how do you work with children mostly? Well, it starts with a really detailed developmental history and the three most important early time periods, gestation, birth, and bonding. So I ask a lot of questions in that time zone because if there's any kind of interference, there's going to be an obstacle in vision development, sensory motor development. And also studying the primitive reflexes, I have a group of optometrists in Scandinavia who I studied with. They've been doing the reflexes since 70, 1975. 
the primitive reflexes directly affect the vision development. So that's another piece. I also do craniosacral and nutrition counseling. But it starts with the developmental history. And then from that point, I teach parents how to work with their kids from a gross motor level. We do a lot of bilateral work, a lot of balancing, a lot of rhythm and timing, reflex work, color therapy sometimes works well, nutritional counseling, and then advising them on lens prescriptions because, again, it's a total disaster what eye doctors want to do when you, first of all, when you dilate an eye or you put eye drops in, you're paralyzing the focusing muscles. So how can you get an accurate measurement on a prescription? You're overcorrecting. Every child that I see that's been to some other person, I'm reducing the prescription by 60 to 80% because that is really interfering with their visual development. The way the lenses are taught to be prescribed is horrible. And uh, so it's all of those things. I do consult at a place called Kid Power in Albuquerque. I go down there once a month, so I do evaluate kids there. And just through telehealth or workshops or, or whatever, but uh, the pediatrics is very effective. And strabismus, you know, if you've got strabismus, I don't recommend eye muscle surgery and lazy eye. I don't recommend wearing a, a patch eight hours a day. That's insane. Uh, again, you treat the whole person, like you said. This is what we learned at Gazelle. A vision problem is more than in the eye. It's in the whole person. And the last thing I'll say, I just saw this uh, parent yesterday with a 12-year-old who did a year of vision therapy and still has exactly the same symptoms. So what's missing is that we're going to do some biochemistry testing because I think there's a problem in cellular uh, absorption. Uh, she's admitted she's depleted. And one of the key things I learned is you start with building up the cell first so that there's an energy and then you can do your vision therapy or whatever you're doing along with it. Now the child has more energy to make the developmental gains we're asking him to make. But if you ignore the dietary nutritional part, sometimes they come in and they're so depleted to begin with, it's hard for them to make changes. And that was the essential piece yesterday with this family. So, um, you know, we, we just look at a lot of different things and, and then go from there. That sounds fantastic. So with, because with little children, you have to work in person pretty much like when they get older. So yeah, I mean, I've got to have so many questions. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, but let's, uh, let's, so yeah, since you just talked about nutrition, so what is something when you said somebody is nutritionally, like even a child, right? You know, I always say when we get older, all the bad stuff catches up with us. So all the age related eye diseases are just like, too many chemicals, too many toxins. Nikki got years of not eating proper nutrients, you know, that just basically at some point, hey, that, you know, hits the fan. Um, but when you talk about a 12 year old, like how can that so um, nutrition impact the vision? And what is the thing that you advise this family, for instance, to, to change? Well, you probably heard this statistic because it's floating around. The eyes and the brain make, two, make up 2% of the body weight and use 25% of the food intake. You've heard that, I'm sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you know, we find out, first of all, what, what are they eating and what would they be attracted to eating if you let them? Um, and then from there, you know, we talk about the rainbow diet, we talk about the microbiome, we talk about healthy fats and oils. 
I do uh, uh, different kinds of lab tests. One I like to do with kids is a hair mineral analysis because that shows us about the mineral ratios and the minerals are spark plugs on cellular health. So we can see, are they absorbing carbohydrates, proteins? Uh, do they have heavy metal toxicity? You know, what's going on in an inflammatory response? What are their adrenals doing? What's their thyroid health? So through a hair mineral analysis, that's a great way to get a snapshot on what's going on. And then again, it's very individualized, but it's somehow getting more amino acids and proteins into their body in the morning, even if it has to be a, a smoothie and really cut out the sugar, gluten, and um, you know, the processed foods. And then the, the challenge is their textures. You know, some don't like to swallow pills, some don't mm -hmm. like powder, you know, some are finicky eaters. So we have to dance with them on that. And a lot of times we do the best we can. That's why sometimes doing like a, a morning kind of a protein shake, something, there's some good ones, really good ones out there, or something that where we can get a lot in them early and then really try to reduce the sugar uh, consumption and just go from there. You know, it's, um, we'll see, we're doing a hair mineral analysis on this child, but her mother immediately said, she's depleted, I know it. And I said, bingo, right there. So vision therapy is not gonna be the answer until we do something to support her energy better. That is so interesting. And I think, it, it don't, wouldn't you agree that it's also about educating the parents because sometimes, at least in my practice, when I used to see children, I would be like, here, help me fix my child. You sure. Know, Start working with you first. First of right. all, you're going to be working, you know, working with your child, making into games. But also, you need to understand what the. It's not like, hey, Johnny, go in the corner and do some palming. Right. Um, you know. So, um, let's switch gears so to to the middle aged population because I would think that a lot of the things you said would be similar applicable, right? Like doing a hair mineral analysis and figuring sure. out like is there any nutrient deficiencies or where would you start with somebody. Um, that's like in their, let's say, 50s, um, common things that, you know, you probably hear too is cataracts, floaters. Like, mm -hmm. where do you start with somebody that comes with, let's maybe a beginning of cataracts or something like that? Okay, well, I, I may see it differently than other people, but when somebody is, is complaining about, you know, a whole laundry list, there's really a similar thing going on, which is, they're not getting enough nutrients in the eyes. The eyes have the highest metabolic need of the body. The mitochondria are not working well in the retina. There may be some kind of glycation process going on either in the vitreous or the lens, meaning a glucose molecule is attaching to either the collagen molecule in the vitreous or the protein molecule in the lens, so that's creating cataracts. There's congestion, visual stress, maybe wearing the wrong prescription. And then, you know, liver, are they absorbing vitamin A? Are they producing enough bile? Um, you know, so there's a lot of different questions that need to be asked, as you probably do. I think one of the things that happens is that we have the biochemical aspect of the eyes, and then we have the functional aspects. And this is where eye doctors fail, because they're not really looking at the functional aspects. Function changes structure. So the way I use my body is going to affect the anatomy, especially. And so if my two eyes aren't working together, or I don't know how to relax my eyes, or I'm not getting enough daily sunlight, uh, you know, or on my computer till late at night, you know, these are all lifestyle things that uh, I'm advising people to do. And um, 
some change and some don't. Some get worse, some get better. A lot of it depends on, you know, their body and their psyche and, you know, things we don't even understand. And I know you have protocols for different vision conditions and you have, you talk about the oils that you're, you know, recommending. And so it's like a really holistic approach. Let me look at some questions because I feel maybe we get, we get some good viewer questions that would be helpful. Um, so Zinda is saying on YouTube, I'm on a low fat plant based diet. Eyes are very red and dry. Do you think it's the low fat? I was trying to avoid it because of the high cholesterol. Well, you know, certainly fats and oils have been shown to, you know, lubricate the eyes better. It could be also allergies, functional. Eyelid health is such a key thing right now because a lot of people with dry eye, they're having difficulty. The, the oily part of the tears are drying out too quickly. And so the tears are evaporating. And so that's why I developed a castor oil eye drop that you can do in the evening that replaces the oily part of the tears. And uh, somebody wrote me about MSM eye drops, so I should talk about them a little bit. Those are a sulfur-based eye drop that uh, I created, and it's very good for reducing inflammation, improving circulation. And, um, you know, sometimes you need to use some natural eye drops, you need to increase fats and oils, maybe you need to protect yourself from blue light, maybe your two eyes aren't working together. But uh, most of the research and most of my clinical experiences, we, we do need a good amount of fats and oils. The, the retina is 50% fatty acids. I know our brain needs a lot of fatty acids. So, um, you know, th those could be some things. And then maybe finding some natural lubricating drops to, to support your eyes before they, you know, before they go downhill like they are right now. Well, thank you so much. And we do want to make sure that everybody knows this is not medical advice this is an educational show here and even dr sam is a <clears throat> excuse me doctor it's still like you know we're not telling you because you're not diagnosing just want to make sure that we all get them but um so i i put castor oil i have a castor oil eye mask that i put around my eyes i saw that i never put castor oil into my eyes and i use organic castor oil but tell us a little bit because i'm curious about that too the oil that you use that you can put in your eyes, is that any way different than regular organic castor oil or? Well, it's, um, it's made in a way that you can, that it, it's pretty comfortable in your eyes. Now I've tried many different kinds of castor oil that is organic. And um, the, the issue sometimes is it's very thick. So you get like this blurry vision. And if you use too much of it, it, it sometimes it can clog up your eyelids, the meibomian glands. So you have to be careful about that. But, you know, like what you're doing with the mask is beautiful. I, I watched that video and I love that because what you're teaching there is a way to help people get empowered about moisturizing their eyes. And how cool is that? Because the other thing is restasis or steroids or God knows what, you know, all these pharmaceuticals. So um, I think you got to see what your body does with it. Some people love it. Some people, they, they don't do well with it. Uh, so I think you need to find a brand that you like. There are a lot of good ones out there. And if it's something you want to try, start easy. Just use a little bit. Use it on the outside of the eyelids. Maybe this mask that you have. That sounds like a great idea. And um, see, how, see how it lands in you. And if it's uh, positive, 
castor oil, as we both know, has so many great benefits. Why not for the eyes? Yeah, thank you. And I, I will try it. So somebody was asking if you have drops. I put that in the, to the Zoom chat. Is it drsambaran.com? Yeah. I can put that. Yeah, so that's you have a straw there too. And I'm going to try your... I'll uh, I'll tell you what I'll I'll send you a bottle. Don't don't buy them. I'll okay. I'll, I'll send okay. it to well, you. Okay. Well, I will I will share about it. But I the castor oil I do use for the around. Oh, that's okay. It's very thick. Yeah, it yeah. It's very thick. Sometimes a little bit gets. I just put it a little bit on my lashes, and yeah. so a little bit gets into the eye. But I use yeah. it only at night. So you're right. Exactly. Blur out the vision. Right. Just use it at night, and you're you're safe with that. So next question, Karen is asking, will wearing my contacts for myopia, astigmatism, and monovision during work hours negate everything that I'm doing um, during off hours, uh, work, off, off work hours, which is Claudia's teachings and wearing reduced glasses. So she's yeah. doing my program. She's yeah. already reduced glasses, but during the day she wears her contacts with a full correction and also monovision, which is something I advise against. But yeah. So, so your, your advice, Claudia, is that she shouldn't do the monovision? Yeah. 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 So the monovision is going to split your two eyes and you're going to have different focal distances. So it does, it's like going three steps forward when you're working with Claudia and her methods and then four steps backward when you're doing the monovision. If I were you, I would, I don't know, is this person nearsighted or farsighted? So, so what you could do is ask your eye doctor to just make up a pair of computer glasses. That would be a, a reduced prescription. That's a great technique to relax your system and open you. That's what I did personally. And uh, just wear that for work. But at least both eyes are doing the same thing at the same time. Because your brain is going to suppress the other eye. You know, that, that, that is not uh, an acceptable setup. I think that that creates so many problems. So... If you stop the monovision, you might find what you're doing with Claudia, you will re, you'll increase and improve much faster. So that would be my endorsement. Well, thank you so much for that, Dr. Sam. And I, you know, I usually tell if people work on the computer all day, I usually advise them, if, even if they need contact for some yeah. reason versus glasses, sure. um, them, you know, for the two feet distance and if needed for driving, you can just stick a pair of minus lenses on top, of you, you know, they exactly. spend all day at the computer, why wear glasses that correct you, or contacts that correct you for 20 feet vision. Exactly. And yeah, monovision has become one of those convenient quick fixes sure. like progressive glasses. And mm -hmm. um, let, me, uh, let me look at more questions because okay. I have my own, but I want to make sure everybody's here who's watching live. We have a lot of people watching live. Um, cataracts, okay, so there was somebody who was saying cataracts healing, diabetes healing, please. We already talked about cataracts and diabetes is a whole different topic. That's obviously stress release and changing your diet. But um, let's look at other questions right now. Um, so Vince is saying strong minus seven, minus eight prescription getting worse according to optometrist every few years plus astigmatism. Should I ask for no astigmatism correction? <laughs> I'm sure you get this question a lot, huh? <laughs> Well, <laughs> it depends what your astigmatism is. I mean, the deal is, is that, you know, if you, if you get a prescription without astigmatism, it's going to be distorted. It's going to be a little blurry for you. So you'd, you would want to start using that in non-demanding and non-threatening situations. 
you know, when you wear an astigmatism lens, it's warping your vision. You have a warp. You have so when you have no astigmatism, uh, you're used to the warp. It's like now there's no warp. Well, how do I deal with that? There also may be some postural adaptations that you've made with the astigmatism, and so. Um, you know, you got to negotiate this. Most eye doctors won't go for that. But, you know, if you can, yes, I would say get a non-correcting uh, astigmatism prescription. I like to do symmetrical lenses because that encourages the two eyes to start to know where to position together. So it just depends on how open your eye doctor is to be able to do that. But um, I, I th I'd say go for it. Wear something reduced, you know, for indoor stuff. And if you're nearsighted, do my plus lens to blur. That's where you wear a high farsighted prescription. And if you're farsighted, you can get a minus lens to wear for certain vision therapy exercises. Those work great for getting you out of your current habit or pattern. Remember, any prescription you get from the doctor is reinforcing what you're coming in with. It's not really treating anything. It's just making it tighter, more compressed. Even just going without them some, sometimes in non-demanding situations is a great thing to do. And notice your emotional response, your mental response when you take them off. Uh, we, we play this game with people where we say, all right, I'm taking your lenses away. Tell me what you feel. Tell me how you think you would you know, be in the world. And they go, oh my God, I'm paralyzed. It's, I, you know, and, and so we get to see how addicted we are to the way that we see and um, again, the work, the Bates work, what Claudia is doing, what I'm doing, Nathan, Mark Grossman, this is few and far between, but we're offering a new way of seeing that is really freeing. I mean, you really come out of prison. And uh, I remember re reading a quote, uh, take off your glasses and see, Jacob Lieberman, one of my colleagues. And he said, wearing a full prescription is like being in a maximum security prison. That was very interesting, but it is like the, you know, the, the, the whole thing where you get used to a certain way of seeing like the Stockholm syndrome and all of a sudden you start taking the lenses off. Emotions are going to cut. Things are going to come up for you that you've been internalizing. And if you're, if you're up for that, that journey, it could be incredibly freeing and healing for you. And that's why Claudia and I do this because we love to see the transformations that people make. Well, that was, I've never heard Jacob say that, but that is, that was just great advice, Vivi. Uh, thank you for highlighting that emotional response and with astigmatism, especially how that, you know, like I had a client, he had a pretty high, I think he had a minus three or four astigmatism and we basically added half this, half the cylinder to the sphere. And he said for the first two weeks, everything felt like squished. <laughs> and then he got, and then the, that relaxed yes. and it opened up and he but you have to be like what Dr. Sanders said. I love what you said. Um, you have to be willing to, you know, the emotions that come up. And for some people that's stronger than for others, but you have to be willing to be a little bit, you have to be comfortable with being a little uncomfortable maybe initially and mm -hmm. just really connect to that, right? So I, that was a great example. And tell us a little more, because I, when I first started, I got these flippers from uh, Bernal, the store, yes. you know, the plus sure. minus flippers. Oh yeah, um, good. So that, that that approach is definitely coming from optometry. I personally don't use that, but tell us a little bit more. I'm just curious. So, you know, basically you make, let's say you have the minus seven 
and you would put some plus lenses on, like readers maybe, or okay. you basically make your vision, let's say you put plus readers, three readers on, right, as an example, that would make him like look like a minus 10, and that, right? Explain that a little bit to us, that idea that you're putting the opposite lens okay. on. So for all the listeners out there, you can Google plus lens to blur, Dr. Byrne, uh, minus lens to blur, Dr. Byrne. All my uh, exercises and all my content is free. So you can just go to my website. It's all, I don't charge anything for that. All right, so let, whatever amount of myopia you have, you go to the drugstore and you get the strongest readers you can. By, while you're there, get an eye patch, come home, take your lenses off, lock yourself in a room, cover your left eye, take a look out at 10, 15 feet and notice how blurry it is without any lenses. Then put on the plus lenses and immediately notice what you start thinking, what you don't like about the blur. I'm out of control, I could get hurt, this is scary. So you start to see the mental uh, messaging to the eyes, which is a hypervigilance. That's what myopia is. I'm, I have to keep it clear survival-wise no matter what. So you put that on for a minute and you relax into the blur as best as you can. You take off the lenses and you notice that now your eyesight is more clear. And you do it again. You do it three times. And every time you put the blur on, it's spreading the light into parts of the retina that you normally are not accessing with your regular lenses. So it's going to give you a lot more peripheral vision. You see, blur is about receiving more. It's about relaxing. It's about being more intuitive, creative, flexible. It's not a negative thing, but we are associating it with a negative thing because the eye doctor says, oh, it's blurry. We've got to get rid of it. So then after you've done it three times on the right side, you then take the patch off and you're going to notice how much clearer and brighter it is with no lenses. It's going to amaze you. And then you do the same with the other eye. If you do that for 30 days, I can tell you your current distance prescription will start to reduce. You will put on your regular prescription and you will start to get a headache. And that'll show you that you're unwinding your vision. Now on the far-sighted side, it's a little harder to get the lenses. I actually sell them on my website because, because I want people to access it. I usually go with like a minus two. And so if you're hyperopic, you, play, you wear magnification lenses, you do the same thing except through the minus lens and you're going to get the same kind of openings around um, not needing as much magnification. So the whole idea is you're challenging your vision, your mind, your brain, your eyes, your body by wearing something that's a lot more diffused. And you see, one of the things I've learned in health is the more we can become dis dissolute. So we have resolution and dissolution. Inhale, exhale. We're always holding our breath on the inhale. So in this, we, we develop a, a wider range um, on our neurological health by resolving, but then dissolving. And the more comfortable we get in the playing in that, that band, that's going to give us more flexibility and versatility and it's going to slow down the aging process. So um, it's a winner and you can do it. You don't need to go to an optometrist to get these glasses. They're out there. So you just get them and you start doing these exercises and your eyes will improve. I love that. I would, I would try that. I mean, my vision is really great, but that's always, there could always be made improvements. Yeah. So that, that's a fantastic. Yeah, I get, I used to get, they're called flippers and it's basically yes. like, 
it is a little stick and then it have, has the same plus and minus right. and then you can kind of flip them around um and i don't know why you would go to your your whatever if you're I, i'm fast my background is farsightedness so i don't know why i would do the plus but that's a great way and if you have a link that we can put in the chat that's great otherwise we just google it but maybe we can find a link um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much. That's a great way to, to explore that because what I teach sometimes too is what um, reading, like if you're farsighted or have presbyopia, the old age side, really small print and looking at it so close and then you relax in your eyes and you're just moving your attention. You notice the opposite movement and the light is wider, you know, and then, and then after that you look at small print and suddenly like what was super blurry before yeah. us, you know, so you kind of exactly. getting into that zone of, making it worse in a way by sure. and then relaxing into that sure. because now you're like okay now there's no point in making an effort because you know and then you i love that so that's yeah. a really great practice of the thing that people can explore it's free you're teaching it for free thank you so yeah, much it's all free. and you can get readers for like at the dollar stores if you're yeah. nearsighted if you're farsighted you can order them from yeah. dr sam's website so you don't it's not you know it's a very inexpensive way to, to try this out exactly right you got it. Um, let's see what else. Is it possible to get rid of floaters or will they just slide down <laughs> after six months? I don't know what that means sliding down. So, you know, you know, in the, this new book, Vital Vision, the number one question, it's in my first chapter, is what do I do with these friggin' floaters? <laughs> because, as you know, there's so many different reasons. I mean, some people. They swear by my 15% MSM eye drops. Oh my God, after three days, they got rid of That's the That's a tough one with cataracts because, you know, it's pretty locked in there. And by the way, the cataract surgery works very, very well. There are ways that you can navigate it uh, so that you come out with a positive result, like no monovision. Don't do a lot of complicated bifocals and astigmatism cor corrections. Just do the simple correct both eyes for distance and uh, you know you'll be good to go and protect your eyes from the blue light because those lenses may not uh, protect you from the, the artificial emitted blue light but in the earlier stages of cataracts glutathione and vitamin c are essential and then you can add some other things like you know the carotenoids lutein zeaxanthin astaxanthin there are eye drops out there that you know people use can see oculomed Cineraria, so you know you can try those. Uh, I tend to work with it also systemically, so you know improving my my glucose processing, so reduce my sugar or eliminate that. A lot of good antioxidants, and you know just see where the the chips fall. And you know in early stages you have a good chance of neutralizing the development. In the later stages, it's not the the results are not quite as good. So, I mean, we are 100% on the same page because I say the same thing. Um, and I know my mom had cataract surgery and I ask her, like, what kind of lens are you going to use? I said, oh, whatever the doctor recommend. I'm like, no, mom, you like, this is like, drives me nuts. So I did like hours of hours of her explaining, you know, that she, and she did get the distance lenses, but she's like, oh, whatever they do. And I've heard stories that people had the surgery and then like two weeks later, everything was blurry because they didn't do the emotional processing. Right. They didn't do the preparation and so I always say the work that you do or the work that I do in combination mm -hmm. with the surgery so that you really address like the root cause like did you have diabetes there's mm -hmm. a, like 60 percent thing higher risk of cataracts when you have and you don't have to have diabetes it could just be pre-diabetes you know so you know addressing all those things at the same time is important but also the emotional 
component. Um, so awesome. Let's see if we have any more questions. What if I have one eye seemingly far-sighted and one eye seemingly near-sighted? You know, I, yes. So, so the exercise I like to do is called eye dialogue, where I, where I'm actually talking to each eye, and I'm asking about the marriage of each eye. That's another kind of big exercise that you could find. And working with the patch a lot in my lifestyle to kind of really understand who am I through my right eye, who am I through my left eye. In farsightedness, we're pushing the world away. In nearsightedness, we're pulling the world in. So you're in a push-pull. What's, what's the collaboration or the marriage like? And then maybe doing some binocular exercises like the Brock string or the magic eye. See if you can get yourself into a situation where you are processing simultaneously. Work on bilateral integration with your body. You know, get better with your bilaterality. Uh, you know, these are these are some of the things that you've got to help the brain. Uh, again, what Claudia said, 10% is in the eye and 90% is in the brain. Let's tap that 90% and then you could probably have a little more collaboration or cooperation between the differences. Well, this is like we're already 45 minutes in, so we have to come to a close, but I definitely want to bring you back because this has been amazing. Um, so what, so you already, I put all the links in the show notes. Um, so how can, first of all, I have a couple of questions. So you have your social media channels, I put them all in there. Um, but how can people find you? How can they get the book? How can they work with you if they want to, you know, do you even do private sessions? I don't know how you work with clients outside of what you already shared. Yeah, I still do a little bit of uh, private sessions through telehealth. You can text me your question at 1-844-932-1291. That's 844-932-1291. Or you can email me, hello at drsamburn.com. Thank you for listening. I hope you learned something from the iClarity podcast show today. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe on iTunes or Spotify and leave a review. See you here next time.